This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you in part by Rosedale Communications, offering author-centric literary consulting, writing, and editing services to help you capture your voice, craft your message, edit your content, and publish your completed manuscript for business or ministry online at craftingyourmessage.com. Hey there, it's producer Michael Miracle here. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. We are your on-air resource as a workplace believer. And check out our website for tons more I Work For Him resources. We've got blogs and podcasts and reading material and all sorts of fun stuff there. Plus, a link to listen to the live show several times a day. Yep, head to the website. That's IWorkForHim.com. IWorkTheNumberForHim.com. And the listen tab's up there on the top left. Click that, then click the live link, and you can listen to us live every weekday. That's IWorkForHim.com. I work the number four him.com. And now let's go ahead and kick off what we all came here for, hearing more about connecting what we learn on Sunday with what we do in our nine to five. This is the I Work For Him podcast. We are your guest hosts, Taiwan and Dr. Shanae. And we are filling in for our main man, Jim Bringingberg, and our lovely sis, Miss Martha Bringingberg. We want you to check out the latest on the www.iworkforhim.com website. While you are out there, please prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Start praying for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day. So every day we are going to take a different approach to looking at the way you and I think about our faith at work. Today, we are talking about marriage and mental health. Oh boy. Yes, yes. All right, this is going to be whew, a huge, huge topic for all of us. We're going to be discussing this topic because, well, first of all, I'm really excited about this topic, and I love the opportunity to bring this topic on air today because it's a topic that's near and dear to me for so many reasons. Now, when you are married to a therapist for 21 years, uh, might I add, she is fine. But well, she, thank you. <laughs> And I'm looking at her right now, y'all. So I'm, I'm really Focus. enjoying. I'm focused. Focus is important in mental health, too, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to have a good time because I'm on here with my queen for the day. Amen. All right. So now but, but when you are living with a therapist for 21 years, you become conscious uh, and you become aware of mental health issues on a day to day basis. Is she processing me right now what, what's going on you know and I learned early in my marriage oh my that my own mental health had a direct impact on my communication with my wife it the challenges and it threatened my relationship in some instances as well and this is the same for my wife yes it is so today we're going to tackle marriage and mental health we're going to do our best to answer the following questions what is mental health what does mental health have to do with my marriage what does God say about mental health? And lastly, but certainly not least, what can we do to make sure that mental health in our marriages continues to get better? And uh, Dr. Shanae would phrase that differently, but the, what, <laughs> <laughs> what we are focusing on are these four, four questions. And we're also going to be exploring how some of our early childhood experiences have shaped experiences in our marriages. So I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I saw some things and those things later on in my marriage, uh, they surfaced. Yeah. Yeah. 
So what do you have to say, Dr. Chanel? Well, I'm excited because May is Mental Health Awareness Month, right? So right. this is a perfect time for this conversation. And you know us, we're all, everything about marriage. Everything marriage, we love talking about it. And so Absolutely. we're gonna do our best to stay focused on mental health today. <laughs> um, but I think it's important to start by defining what is mental health. In my work as a therapist, I find that when you use the term mental health, Usually people automatically think about pathology. They automatically think about mental health issues or right. mental illness right. or mental disorders. And we got to challenge that idea because if we don't do that, when we make reference to mental health, we're going to think it's in somebody else's house. It's in somebody else's neighborhood. It doesn't have anything to do with us. Right. But if you're not mentally well, you're not well. You, you, it's not possible to be whole and healthy and your mind is not in a good place. So let's Amen. start with the definition of mental health. I'm gonna do my best not to be technical and overclinical and, and unrelatable. So if we look at mental health and what the definition of mental health is, it really is simple. It's one's well-being. That's it, their well-being, the psychological, the emotional, the social well-being. You cannot be physically unhealthy and not be impacted in your mental health. Right, right. Or vice versa. Right. So if you are if you are physically fit, you are your body is exactly the way you want it. They can't find an ounce of fat on it. Right, your cardio is on top of this world. You eat the best. Your your cardiologist is trying to get you to do trainings for the general public because you're Mike, so healthy. Mike is over here shaking his head. He's saying, "Yeah, I'm physically fit, right? <laughs> I see the muscles over there." <laughs> but if that's your reality and you don't think well, if that's your reality and you don't want to connect with people, if that's your reality and you nobody likes you. <laughs> you know, there's something else going on. Right. We we are called as Christians to be whole, to be balanced, and we have to look at what it means to be well in totality. And we like to make reference to the suke right. when we talk about right. mental health in our household. What you have to say about well, that? I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm going to that survey thing that you had us take yesterday. Uh, I'm going to let you elaborate a little bit. It's called the ACEs. And man, uh, as I started answering those questions, it really took me back to my early childhood. And early childhood experiences, studies have shown that people who have high numbers of ACEs are at increased risk of experiencing significant health challenges and yes. also sometimes in adulthood uh, shortening their lifespans. Yes. And so I remember answering these questions and <laughs> I, I'd like to say that none of them applied and I was like really healthy and had no effects. Uh, something like, you know, have you been whipped back in the day? <laughs> and, uh, you know, have you had any types of abuse? And so really, really serious questions that I had to answer. And as I'm answering these things, it also took me back to really evaluate how did I get through those things when they were happening? How did I get through uh, when uh, my great granddad, uh, who was the disciplinarian in the household, got upset and he grabbed the iron ironing cord, uh, or he grabbed something that wasn't a belt. 
<laughs> to to try to discipline us. And uh, you know, today how, they would call that child abuse. They would. Okay. They would. You know. And so t- today, though, you you look back and you reflect on what happened back then, and you you ask yourself, well, God, how did I get through that, and how does that really affect and shape how I interact with my wife, I interact with my children, I interact in society. So I want to jump in and kind of pull that together as we are looking at the at the overall understanding of what mental health is and explain why you and I did the the ACE inventory. Right. So there was a study that showed that when you have ex- uh, high amounts of adverse childhood experiences, that's what ACE stands for, that in your adult life, you're susceptible to chronic health issues, um, susceptible to things that shorten your lifespan. And people in the mental health field and in other fields now are learning that it's important to evaluate where people have come from because where we come from and what we've experienced shapes what we do today and what we will do tomorrow you, and, you preaching. and how we relate to one another. So we'll, we're not gonna like delve into the ACE, but I think it's important to recognize that when we talk about our well-being, we talk about emotional health, we learn what is emotionally acceptable in childhood. Right. You learn what emotions are, you learn how to say I'm sad, you learn how to say I'm happy, you learn how to say I'm afraid. When you're in childhood, you are taught what is acceptable uh, display of emotion. I remember our son, he would, we'd say, fix your face. And he would literally <laughs> take his hands and wipe he over his, his face. face. And he would fix his face. Absolutely. And so we would do things like that in the, in the effort of telling him what was appropriate emotionally and, and at what time and in front of who. And so it's important to recognize how important childhood experiences are in terms of the adult well wellness and well-being and how we relate to one another in our, our marriages. And so I think we need to uh, maybe take a break here. Well, in, in a minute, uh, <laughs> we could definitely take a break. I just kind of want to really quick go back to that whole family dynamic, you know. I guess you all probably have figured it out based on what I've said earlier that my family just wasn't that healthy. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> and so <laughs> we we definitely had some uh some things that happened uh when we were growing up and so my experiences uh sometimes when I looked at things uh, we didn't necessarily put a word definition on them. However, those were things that you could feel based on what was going on around you. And so those things really had impact on me growing up. And so. (laughs) Taiwan and Dr. Shanae filling in for Jim Brangenberg and Martha Brangenberg. Thank you for listening locally or around the world. We're so excited about that. We're getting great coverage. Yes, yes. We've been talking to you all about marriage and mental health and, and we've laid the foundation about what mental health is and Taiwan has begun to share uh, so so transparently some of his experiences growing up and about my folks and, and and how gracious he was to to indulge me and complete uh, an activity that is often done in clinical setting uh, i promise you i was not doing therapy on my husband <laughs> that's not ethical so she says um <laughs> however it is important to have open candid conversations in your in your marriage uh, so that you can continue to be healthy. Healthy people 
make healthy marriages. Amen, amen. And unhealthy people create unhealthy marriages. And let me just say this. I'm going to jump in and just say this, uh, just to kind of give my, my wife a, that a girl, uh, she does a phenomenal job of uh, giving me space to what we call in our house process things and uh, she's always open and forthcoming and here's what's even more important about that y'all she's honest with me so in our communication it's extremely healthy that when you are talking to each other about some very very serious things that you are honest and that you can receive what's said and so Dr. Shanae you do an awesome job of making me feel comfortable being able to come to you and talk to you about these things. Thank you. That's awesome. That's good to hear because I'm not always as good at practicing what I preach. <laughs> um, so, uh, I, again, I want to go back to the, the, the information you were sharing. And what I want to do is is be really specific about some of the experiences that we've had and a significant portion of the things that are on the ACE survey today are most uh, often identified as abusive, um, <laughs> abusive and neglectful. Um, and, you know, that's unfortunate. That's also a reality that is real for many people in our communities. Uh, our country is plagued with children who are experiencing today what we would con- what we would consider abuse in spite of the fact that we now have better information about child rearing. I want to be careful not to limit these experiences or not. I want our guests to be careful. I want our listeners to be careful not to think that these experiences are limited to any social economic demographic, any ethnic or racial category, any religious organization. These, These things, these experiences exist throughout our country and they don't discriminate based on any of those variables. So I want to put that out there. Now, there are some subgroups that have higher percentages, but I want us to be very careful about thinking that if this stuff is happening in someone else's house and in someone else's backyard, because sometimes it's actually you that needs to be reevaluating how you're interacting with someone. And so going a little bit deeper about some of those things I want to talk about, you know, I know when we were growing up, a lot of times when we were, we were receiving corporal punishment, I don't want to get the switch. We would get unique objects would be secured in, in assistance of that task. (laughs) And so, you know, that is not okay. (laughs) That's not okay. And when, when that kind of experience happens, and it and a child or an adult is left to feel like their life and their well-being, their safety and their security is is threatened, is is compromised. That is a traumatic experience. And it's important for us to be able to recognize that trauma can occur in the places where we're supposed to feel most safe, our own homes. Um, and so that is not just isolated to adverse childhood experiences, right? There's so many different examples of trauma, and it, and it's not just left to children and people who tend to be more vulnerable. Adults are also very much susceptible to traumatic experiences. So I want to take a minute to just talk about what a trauma is. 
if I could do that. Is that yeah. all right? No, I think you should. Okay. So, trauma is a unique individual experience. I think we should start there. You don't get to define whether or not an experience that I had was traumatic. I have to be able to say whether or not an experience was traumatic for me. That's good. And what that what that usually involves is that, like I said before, in some way, I was overwhelmed, right, by the by what took place, the condition or the event, and really challenged in figuring out how to to manage that, and felt like whether that be direct, objective, or perceived, that my life, my body integrity, or the people that. Uh, are important to me, right? That 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 was their safety was compromised, that their well-being was compromised. And so when we think about trauma, some of the ones that are most obvious to us are sexual assault, domestic violence, physical abuse. Um, we we are com- we're familiar with natural disasters, right? We're familiar with terrorism. We understand that um, having exposure to war and the military can also be traumatic for some. We don't talk a lot about historical trauma. Um, anybody who has relatives who are in the Holocaust, that's historical trauma. Right. Um, we don't talk about forced displacement, like refugees. And Florida has a significant refugee population. Right. Um, Grief, right. grief. We trauma. There's a thing called traumatic grief and separation. We don't talk about systemic trauma. Right. There's some some aspects of the way we do things in our country. <laughs> some some of the ways that we handle things in our country really re-injure people who are already who have already experienced trauma. Right. Um, and we community violence. Having exposure to someone, you know, this someone we knew recently, the the child committed suicide and the mom discovered that body. Right, right. That is traumatic Absolutely. to go in and find the child that you've given birth to it has committed suicide. So there are so many different aspects of trauma that are not just isolated to children, but that adult medical trauma. Right. Right? Medical procedures. Do you know that there are some women who would consider that their birth experience was traumatic? Yeah. Giving wow. birth. And we think that giving birth is such a beautiful thing. Well, if you're a woman, you probably can have had children. You could probably talk about how it's not all so beautiful. But there are some people who, beyond the discomfort and the pain and the traditional stories, have had traumatic experiences and their own lives have been threatened. So just want to talk a little bit about that. What do you think about um, this topic of trauma and, and mental health and well-being? Well, I think that trauma oftentimes is not uncovered until something happens. And so your norm or the way that you grew up and you were raised, you create and develop coping mechanisms. Mm. And those coping mechanisms allow you to go through life, hey, this is just how my family is. This is how I was raised. It's our culture. It's my upbringing. And so we oftentimes will uh, justify those things. You know, it's, it's what's made me stronger. You know, it's what gave me my ability to stay focused on, 
getting all those goals accomplished that I wanted to have accomplished. So we find justifications to make these things right when oftentimes they're not. And it's not until we actually have something else that kind of re-injures, like you were saying earlier, Dr. Sinead, or we have something that we didn't experience, but it's a trigger that pulls on that experience. It's getting clinical. I'm getting clinical. I get it through uh, my vicarious degree. Oh, that's another clinical term. That's another uh, clinical term. I got my degree, y'all, vicariously through Dr. Sinead. Thank you very much, Dr. (laughs) Sinead. So... Being that we we can, as uh, Dr. Shanae has taught me, we can compartmentalize mm-hmm. or we can section off various areas of our lives and say, what, you know, I don't want to deal with that right now. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and move on to something different. Just because we do that, though, doesn't mean that it's not still there. It's not still pulling and tearing away at your your emotions, your fi- the fiber of who you are, the essence of who you are, until something happens and it explodes and it blows up and somebody else is on the other end of that. Well, I, I, I think it's, what's important to say about that is that um, the way we respond to trauma is based on how we've been taught to manage emotions and, and, and display emotions. So we have to remember that. Some people are really emotional and they emote well, maybe a little too much emoting and then others struggle and then there's probably a, a balance of some sort but it's important to to recognize that in our culture we have a tendency to say i'm okay right, right. we ask people how you doing as a greeting we don't really stand and wait right do for you the really answer. do you really want to know or how want i'm the doing answer for that much so Absolutely. I, you know i think that's important to to recognize that we condition people sure well, man, this is getting really good. Okay, all right. We are Taiwan and Dr. Shanae Simmons. We are filling in for Jim and Martha Bringingberg. Thanks so much for listening, Tampa Bay and around the world. We have been talking about marriage and mental health. All right, let's get back into it, y'all. So <clears throat> we kind of ended off talking about that that dynamic, that trauma and uh, how it affects, and I was just really briefly talking about how sometimes when you have a traumatic experience, there's something that happens before you actually recognize that it's traumatic. And so, Dr. Shanae, why don't you kind of help us to connect in, in as far as our marriage is concerned? How, how does it relate to our marriages? Well, as I said before we went to break, um, in, in our culture, we have conditioned uh, ourselves to really be superficial about how we feel about things. We say, I'm good, I'm okay. We use language that doesn't truly articulate how we feel about a thing. And I believe it was a, the earlier in the conversation I said that emotionally healthy people create emotionally healthy marriages. Right. And emotionally unhealthy people create emotionally unhealthy marriages. Right. And so if you've had some hard experiences, if you've experienced some trauma and you have not acquired good coping skills, you don't really manage difficult things well, right. the chances are when they show up in your marriage, and they will, you won't manage that well. And so it's important to realize that Creating a safe space in marriage is key 
to being emotionally healthy in marriage. Amen. Amen. That make yeah, it does. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, okay. and I think that's perfect—the perfect transition for you know our our next question or the, our next answer, which is what does God have to say about mental health? Ah. <laughs> you know, we've we've talked at length about a lot of natural perspective, uh, how we would deal with it naturally, some mm-hmm. of the natural effects. And, uh, you know, you and I, Dr. Sinead, we're very familiar with Third John verse one and two and what that says. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it says, above all things, I wish that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Mm-hmm. So what's your take on that, Dr. Sinead? Well, um, my take on that is that we hear that. And for me as a therapist, I automatically think about my soul being my mind, my spirit, my heart, my emotions, that right. all of that, that I should be balanced in those areas. I should be well in those areas. Right. But I don't think um, the general public thinks that. I don't think that they think about that. I think when people hear your soul should prosper or be in good, you know, be good, they think you should be right with God. You know, you should be you should be righteous and you should be holy and you should be. Those are things you, you should you should be. But um I don't know that you can truly be right with God if you're ignoring some things in the, in, in your emotions. I, right. I, I want to kind of go to a book that really has been a blessing to me. It's called The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro. Uh-huh. And on the cover, it's so profound. It says, it is impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. That's good. I want to, if I go, if we go to the garden where the fall took place after they realized that they were naked, right? they were naked and ashamed right? and they hid right? and they covered, right? And they finger pointed. And that is emotional unhealthiness. That is emotional immaturity. Right. And we don't talk about that. We don't, it's a natural tendency of anyone who is a part of fallen man to use those strategies. And so we have to figure out how to take our stuff to God, drag our stuff to the light so that we could come back into communion, back into fellowship with God. And when we can do that, we can be in proper fellowship and right alignment with our spouse. That's profound, you know, and I, and I, and I wish that uh, we had that same lesson when we was first married. Oh, no, it's 21 <laughs> years ago. You know, first three years of marriage, y'all, we certainly weren't calling on the name of the Lord. Well, maybe in vain. <laughs> so, we weren't always so saved. Yeah, we definitely weren't so saved, and we didn't really have a lot of uh, these examples, and I thank God for the experiences, though, that we've, had, we've been able to go through, because in that, it's really taught us the value of having an emotionally healthy spirituality in our marriage. Absolutely. And and grateful to God, right, that he helped us take our mess and now we got a ministry. There you go. Come on through Amen. here. Uh-oh. Come on through. Okay. Uh-oh. I'm about to give you an offering. <laughs> <laughs> Was it something you wanted to talk about over there? Well, you know, we, we just about a week and a half ago, we were blessed and fortunate to volunteer 
uh, at one of the, the conferences that you so often are involved in. And, you know, sometimes I want to go, y'all. And then there's times I just don't want to go <laughs> because it's t- they're talking about a whole bunch of this technical stuff, right? All the uh, different technicalities of uh, mental health. And so I was really blessed, though, this time, y'all. I went and I was able to sit in a couple of the sessions because they were geared around marriage. And anyone who knows us, uh, they know that any opportunity we get to build our marriage, we're going to take it because we want to be able to pour into other marriages. And so there was a... Well, because we want to glorify God first. Amen. Okay. I want to make sure we have a right right perspective. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Amen. So as as we were saying, we want to glorify God. (laughs) And, and then we want to be able to pour into other people. Absolutely. And, and let me just connect that. Any any time that you give of what God is giving you, you are honoring and blessing yes. Him. Yes. Uh, so when we sow into other marriages, we are, are also sowing into God. So yes. that needs to be stated. All right. So, <laughs> Doctor 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 Jesse Gill, who was one of the presenters there, I had the uh, opportunity to sit in on his presentations and they were really good uh, seven keys to a secure marriage and it really talks about uh, something called attachment theory that Dr. Sinead could probably go into in for the I'm detail. not going to get into that uh, we don't have enough time right. to really but, do but, it but ultimately it's really talking about developing practices to communicate better with your spouse uh, to develop uh, a stronger bond and, and being able to identify the things that you're doing uh, that may be harming your your spouse and not doing so much of those things but doing more of the things that connect you together and so I really was blessed um, by it and so I, I just wanted to share briefly that it's important uh, to know that the word attachment uh, if you go back to Genesis okay and uh, he talks about for this reason mm-hmm. shall a man well. and a wife leave their family uh-huh. And they shall cleave. Yes. And uh, so it's important to understand that cleave is not just sex. No, it's not. Cleave is uh, everything that has to do with your relationship. Yes. It is connecting mentally, emotionally, spiritually, yes. and physically yes. to your spouse. Yes. And so I walked away with a clearer understanding of that because of that session. So I really got something out of going to the conference. So thank you, Dr. Shane. I'm so glad you joined me. Yeah, it was fun. It, it was. It was fun. And I took a sneak peek at one of your uh, slot, one of your PowerPoint slides okay. uh, with Dr. Jesse Gill. I didn't get a chance to sit in on that one. And what I thought was uh, was so nice of him to do was he talked about how God yes. gave six primary emotions right. and how they signal needs. And, it's, and I say that with emphasis because I don't know about you and other people and their uh, Christian walk and their church experiences, but we are not taught... Um, traditionally in the church environment about emotions. Right. We don't even connect emotions to God some kind of way. It's like if you're emotional, you're not really spiritually mature, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we need to challenge that idea because, and I've been saying this for years, God gave us emotions. If, right. we are, if we were fearfully and wonderfully made in his image, right. then that means the emotions came from him too. Absolutely. I mean, he had anger too. Absolutely, he gets up. He gets happy too, right? So, has anybody heard uh, the old saying that uh, when it rains, it's God's crying? 
Oh yeah, I, I have heard. You've that. heard that. I don't know that it's biblical, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I just wonder. You know, when you're talking about that emotional thing, you know, God gave it to us. So when does God show emotion? Well, He did at the cross. Mm. I mean, He did. He did. He did. He so, did. That was already done, right? Um, it's already done. Oh my goodness! I'm trying not to let you go in and preach. I know, I know. Okay, okay, okay. All right. But when we talk about the six primary emotions that God gave us at Signal Need, um, you know, anger that there's something wrong, that something is driving us to defend, or that we should change something, uh, shame that it's unsafe to open up, uh, something is driving us to hide or avoid or to shut down. Right. Fear drives us to flee or to freeze. Some people will fight um, so that they don't get hurt, right? Right. It's sadness, something is lost. Um, there's a need to connect, to, um, to find comfort or to withdraw. And joy, mm. you know, the ability, the desire to connect and to engage, you know, surprise. Everybody likes a surprise. Uh, to attend and want to explore. These these were things that uh, Jesse Gill talked about, I believe, in, in session with you. Right. And when we talk about those traditionally, we don't associate them with God. But God gave us those things. Absolutely. God, I always say when I'm talking to a Christian who's, you know, trying to figure out the balance between their their mental health and um, their uh, faith. Right. I always say that don't ignore your emotions. Don't ignore what's going, how you feel. How you feel is an indicator of something in your heart. Don't ignore it. Now, I don't want you to let it take you over and dictate how you conduct yourself. Right. But pay attention to it because then you know what you need to take before God That's or good. what you need to go resolve or what you need to spend more time with in prayer or Amen. study. You know, if, if you are fearful of something that most people are not fearful about. We need to figure out, figure that out. And that's that's an area where you need to drag the light and love of God into it so that he can expel out fear. Because the word says that he does not give us the spirit of fear, right. but of power, of right. love, and a sound mind. Amen. Amen. We have been talking about marriage and mental health. And if I'm not mistaken, you wanted to jump in and bring us some scripture, right? Right, but right before we had to take that break, I was about to preach y'all. No, I'm uh -huh. not. <laughs> I'm, 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 He'll I'm give not gonna you a say a way of escape. Yeah, I'm not gonna say I won't. But uh, <clears throat> what I really wanted to talk about is in in spite of all the things that we go through, uh, one of the things that God teaches us is that love uh, conquers all. Yeah, and it's extremely important. And in Philippians two uh, verses one through five, specifically verse five, it says, "Let this mind be in you, which mm -hmm. is in Christ Jesus." Mm -hmm. And so, but if you go to those first four verses preceding that, it really tells us to do things unto God without doing them with a vanity, to be selfless about what you're doing and not to allow uh, you, your good deeds to take you out of humility with God. So mm. when you are loving your spouse, when you are spending time, you should spend more time doing the things that please them and when you do those things, you're honoring not just yourself, but you're honoring God. And so I thought that was extremely powerful when you're talking about 
marriage and mental health because if you have a spouse who may be dealing with trauma, who may be dealing with some stresses, whether it's from childhood or from adulthood, it takes the love of Christ to be able to pull those things in together and give you the discernment and the understanding to help walk your spouse through those things. Yes, that's good. Yeah, so, and you know, a lot of people understand Third John one and two, as you said earlier, Doctor Shanae, talking about uh, you know being spiritually correct, being right, getting your soul right, and not necessarily understanding the power of your mental emotional health and that also speaks to that as well and then if you look at first peter and i promise y'all i'm not gonna preach i'm watching (laughs) but if you you go to first peter and you spend time with first peter chapter three and you look at that first verse all the way through the ninth verse it talks about the roles of a husband and a wife and it says, you know, likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. And you know, I'm not going to start any trouble, y'all, because we don't have enough time. <laughs> but it it really talks about uh, the husband <laughs> and the wife. I'm being, I'm, I'm treading lightly, y'all. <laughs> it, it talks about the husband and the wife both being responsible for each other. Yes. And being responsible for each other's health spiritually, yes, mentally, yes. emotionally, on, and physically. It. Come on. And that here's a, the huge thing that I got in verse nine, y'all. It says, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. So let's translate that into your marriage. That means that you know her button. You know his button, and if he pressed the button, wife, you can't go and press that button on him. And I know it's tough. Somebody's got to be the mature one when you're dealing with that. Yeah. And so, and likewise, husbands, if she hit that button, <laughs> you can't go, and you can't go press her button because now we're trading evil for evil, and God says that we should do things in love. And I'd be lying, y'all, to say that there are not times when I just want to take Shanae. That's your flesh, and that's my flesh. See, see how she, see how she corrected me, y'all. She want, <laughs> she want all of y'all to know that that's my flesh. It is your flesh. It is my flesh. But there are times where we're just not in agreement because we had an argument. Whatever the case might be, you have to learn to act out of love and how to do this in a way that gives God honor and glory. Even in your disagreement, he can still get the glory. Amen. Amen. All right. So that was good. Uh huh. That was good. Uh, and so, Dr. Shanae, um, why don't you talk to us a little bit about some of these uh, different steps that we can take in order to get our marriage? And why don't you tell us how you would say it? I know I, I teased you earlier about mm. that. <laughs> why don't you tell us how you would say it? What are some of the keys and some of the steps that we can take to make sure that our marriage is healthy mentally? <laughs> so the way I would say it right. is to make sure that your marriages are mentally healthy. I can't even get it out now. I'm teasing you. <laughs> but that to make sure that your marriages are an environment that promote mental health and wellness, overall wellness. Right. Um, you know, I think what we need to talk about, and, and we've already alluded to it, is that our marriages should be a safe space. Right. You know, our marriages should be a safe space, a space where you can be authentic, 
a space where we're not just using glaze over uh, responses like I'm okay, I'm fine. Usually in a marriage when a woman says fine, that's usually not accurate. It's, <laughs> Um, or maybe that's an overgeneralization, but it's a very commonly, uh, used, a very commonly <laughs> used way of saying I'm not really ready to deal with that right now, or right. you might not really be ready to hear what I have to say. Right. I find so, myself saying many times, uh, well, you know you ain't right, girl. Why you say that? <laughs> uh, and we have to check ourselves with that, right? Because right. if we say fine and we're not fine, we're lying. And that's not necessarily holy. It's not holy. So we have to be able to share. We need to be able to figure out how to share openly, how to talk about difficult stuff. And, and as I was talking about Peter Scazzaro's book, there's a point where he talks about, you know, going back in order to go forward. We in our country do not like to go backwards. People don't like to dig up stuff. We like to move on and press on and push forward. And unfortunately, when you do that and you haven't addressed that stuff, you're stuffing things that need to be worked through that will get you into a better place. And so I like when he talks about, you know, going back in order to go forward is something we must do in the context of community. And he says, with mature friends, a mentor, a spiritual director, a counselor, or a therapist, and I believe in therapists, but I think in a marriage, the first place you should be able to do that is with your spouse. I think your spouse should be somebody you consider as a trusted person. And you can ask some of these difficult questions. Right. Who, how do you experience me? Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Tell me the feelings and the thoughts you have when you're with me. Mm. Be honest with me. Mm -hmm. And we should prayerfully listen to those answers. We should prayerfully answer and make sure that when we, the answers that we get are answers that we believe are true. Right. And that our spouse is not just saying what they think we want to hear. Right. But right. that they are authentic answers. And identify those things that we need to drag into God's light and and pray about God's love and bring his bring him into the space so that we can intercede from one another. Absolutely. You know, the Bible, do what the Bible says. You know, the answers are in there. A soft answer turns away wrath. Take captive every thought that rises above what the word of God says. Come together and reason with one another. Like, we know these things. We know we're supposed to do. I love this one where it says, cleanse your wife with the word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, My husband is really good about bringing the word into our situations. And I really think that that that's an important biblical teaching that sometimes we um, don't always talk about a lot but remember when you cleanse something right that's not that doesn't mean shaming and shunning and batter battering it means cleansing and when we take a bath we like to feel better right 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 clean as a whistle right yes (laughs) so why don't you talk about some of the things that we've done uh, to promote mental health and marriages sure absolutely and and that was so good dr. Sinead really appreciate that I love taking a bath So listen, y'all, we've 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 been truly blessed. And, uh, you know, the name of our ministry is Inside Reach Ministries. Uh, and you can go check us out on Inside Reach Ministries. What's what's the website? Dot org. Dot org. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Inside Reach Ministries dot org. She's got me riled up, y'all. I'm telling you. So uh, but we on a quarterly basis, we do couples game nights and we have a blast. I always say it's an excuse for everyone to be big kids. So uh, that is wonderful. Uh, 
opportunity for you to come out and really enjoy each other. We've got just a couple minutes with the Simmonses where we spend two minutes just really talking about topics that people might seem or think that are taboo. And where can they find that? And they can find that at www.com. InsideReachMinistries.org? <gasps> I knew she was going to finish that for no, me. No, I thought you were going to say on YouTube. No, you can do that on uh, YouTube as well. Yeah, that's right. We yes. got we do have feudals on YouTube. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah, um, we, we mentor, y'all, and uh, we, we pour into couples, which has been really a blessing for me because uh, you can't give out of what you don't have. So we always are constantly pouring into ourselves so we can give to others. And we are excited about the marriage cruise that's going to be sponsored by Jim, Jim and, and Martha. Martha. They are phenomenal. Marriage yes, mentors they are. And, and so. their marriage, the next one, and we will be on it. That's right. We'll We're be there. We're putting it on the air. Square. We're going to be on it. Yep. Next February 14th. Absolutely. Through the 19th, 2019. We're going to be on it. That's right. That's really right. Really quickly, before we wrap up, why don't you briefly talk about Bridge Builders so the people know what's happening next week? Bridge Builders, really quickly, it is our goal to bridge the gap between the faith and based community and the mental health community we want you all to be out there that is May 23rd from 9 to 11:30 a.m. at 5400 School Road in Newport Ritchie it is an awesome opportunity for you to come out and let your voice be heard all right all right you've been listening to I work for him with Taiwan and Dr. Shanae Simmons I am a Christ follower excuse me <laughs> my workplace is my mission field and I work for him